I want to um, explain some things to you that I think would be a, a great help to you in the studying of a prophecy. I have been teaching prophecy for 50 years on the book of Daniel and Revelation. I started in 66 when I was a student still at Florida Bible College. I was allowed to have a Sunday school class and to teach, and so I thank the Lord for it. And so I believe that these things will help you to have a good understanding of what's going on in the last days. Because believe it or not, it has a lot to do with what's going on in the world today. When you understand this, you'll understand what's going on in the countries. And about Russia, and about Iran, and about America. All these things are so very important. So I hope that you'll be able to follow along with me, because I believe it's important. Knowing the prophetic nature of this beast is, I believe, the key to understanding the Gentile ruling powers upon the earth. While Israel is either out of the land or out of the, without a king or the temple has been destroyed. So the Gentile ruling power is what is going on now. And we're blessed by having in our day the little old nation of Israel once again become a nation. And all this was prophesied in the Old Testament. And so we're privileged to live in a very exciting period of time. I had a friend of mine that does artwork. And I sent him a picture. And I said, I want a picture of this beast. And I told him what the metals had to be, the parts of the body. So he drew it for me. It took about three times, but I finally got the one that I wanted. And so... Uh, this is a, a guy that, he, he does artwork, and he does a beautiful job, and so I wanted y'all to know that. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel in chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 is, the king has a dream. The king has a dream. And this is talking about Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. So we go all the way back to the beginning of the times of the Gentiles when they begin to rule over the nation of Israel. If you'll notice there in the book of Daniel in chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. Verse 1, And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians, and the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, A king, O king, live forever. Tell thy servant the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream... With the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. Then answered again, and they said, King, tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and says, I know of certainty that you would gain the time, because you see the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. 
for you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak unto me. Until the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I will know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. So God tells us in His Word that this man had a dream. But God knew the problem that was going to come. Uh, Daniel was part of these wise men. And he already knew that he gave the king the dream, and the dream had gone from him. And they said, well, you tell us the dream. Ah, no, you don't. He says, I know that you can make up anything, but you can tell me the dream, then I'll know you can know the interpretation. So he was not going to be outsmarted. So the king has a dream. And the dream was about a great big old beast that we're going to show you in just a second. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. You know, we always want God to bless us, but did you know there's a God in heaven that wants us to bless him? You ever show your thanks to God and stand in awe of the Lord and praise the Lord? You know, that's what he wants. That's what he loves to hear. But he says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Now, he tells us in the Bible that if you will ask, you shall receive. And if you knock, it will be opened. If you seek, you will find. There are people who seek wisdom, and God can give wisdom. Those who want understanding, and God can give you knowledge. So he says, and he changed the times and the seasons, and removeth kings and setteth up kings. That's a good thing to remember, even in a time in which we live. We're living in some very dark days here even in America. Now, he giveth wisdom unto the wise, because the wise ask for wisdom. The wise seek wisdom. And those that want to have knowledge and understanding, God says, seek them in the book of Proverbs in chapter 2, as you would seek for silver and gold. And so God has these things that he wants to give to his people. But Daniel is thanking the Lord so much for all that God has done for him. Now, won't you take your Bible and turn to the book of Daniel chapter 2, and look there in verse 31. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. In verse 31, he makes this statement. And verse 31 says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his, and his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them in pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. So all these things are mentioned in the Word of God, but he makes a statement in verse 36, This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. God enabled Daniel to know the dream. And then what did the dream mean? So now he's going to explain this dream. So we have the interpretation of the king's dream. He says, Thou, O king, now get this, sawest and behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. It means it was dreadful or to be feared. A kingdom that no one had ever seen before, made up of all these different parts of you know, material. And God is going to 
reveal some things to them about the end times. Now, if you'll notice, the image's head, the Bible says, was of fine gold. Then he says, the breast and the arms were of silver. His belly and his thighs of brass. And his legs were of iron, and his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now, when you read even in the old Schofield Reference Bible, you'll notice that they talk about four kingdoms. When I read it, I see five kingdoms. And most people who study see four kingdoms. I don't know why my eye sees five. Yes, I do. But I'm going to tell you why I see five. And I believe it's important. And I'll be getting into the other part a little bit later. But for right now, understand, I believe there are five different parts that are mentioned. Now, if you have your Bible open right there, right now, look in verse 35. Then was the iron one, clay two, brass three, silver four, gold five. I count five. But when you go over there to verse 40 in your Schofield, it talks about the fourth world part, and it never gets to the fifth one. Because they say the fourth one is just a revival of the Roman Empire, the fifth one. So I will address that in a little bit. Because we get into the times in which we are now alive. And I believe this is all important. Now, get this. Understand that this is written in advance. This was written, see, almost 500 years in advance. Before these kingdoms came on the scene. So God says, because I know that thou art hard-headed, thou art obstinate, thy neck is an iron sinew and thy brow brass, you're hard-headed and stiff-necked. He said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, so that when it happens, you'll know I told you so. Because man cannot do this. Man cannot be this accurate. Man cannot tell you with precision what's going to happen in the future. So if you ever want to know, is the Bible true? You can know the Bible is true. And these Old Testament scriptures, especially when we deal with the, this beast of Daniel chapter 2, will help you to understand and have confidence that you can trust what God's Word has to say in every area of your life, because it's true. And he says, And wheresoever the children of man dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heavens, hath he given into thy hand, and hath made thee, Nebuchadnezzar, ruler over them all. Thou art the head of ghosts. So he interprets it. Then he tells them, you are the head of gold. But then there's another one. He says, the image's head was of fine gold, but the breasts and the arms were of silver. So you have the Medes and the Persians who came on after Babylon. And then he says in chapter 2 and verse 39, And after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee, another kingdom. See, God has a nation of Israel. Israel disobeyed God. So God used a great mighty nation to whoop his children. So he uses them as a rod to whoop his children. Then God can take a weaker nation and destroy a stronger nation. He's God. And then God can use another nation to whoop that nation. And so these are Gentile world ruling powers that have ruled over the world since God took that little old nation of Israel out of Egypt, they were under the Gentile power there. And then the northern ten tribes were taken by Assyria. And then you had the nation of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, come in and take the southern two tribes into captivity. God tells what's going to happen 
before it happens. God had already told Abraham that it's going to be 400 years, the children of Israel are going to be down in Egypt. He told them that in advance. And then told them they're going to come out and going to give them the promised land and told them where it was, the land of Canaan. See, God has not left us in the dark. We can know these things. And so he says, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. The image's head, yes, was of fine gold. The breast and the arms were of silver. The belly and the thighs of brass. And another third kingdom. So we know we've got to the third kingdom now. That he's going to rule. So that's what came on next. Then there were legs of iron. You had the eastern and western division of the Roman Empire. And God says that other kingdom is going to come on after them. So the fourth kingdom, he describes them. And so then the Bible tells us, the last one is his feet, part of iron and part of clay. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. So the last one of these kingdoms is going to be composed of ten toes. Now we know the ten toes, the ten horns, or the ten kings. They're all the same. This is going to be the last world ruling power. So God starts off and He tells you the one in Babylon. He says, Thou art the head of gold. Then it's going to be the Medes and the Persians. Then it's going to be the Alexandrian Empire. Then it's going to be the Roman Empire. And there's one more. And in the days of these kings, God says that He will set up His kingdom. Now, we didn't gone through all these other ones. There's only one more left, and it's right ahead of us. Now, think about this. If this is true, and the Word of God is true, then we're living in some very interesting, exciting times. God is moving in the hearts of men. God has not taken a vacation. He's not asleep. God is alive. Now, get this. In the days of these kings, now this is found in verse 44. In the days of these kings, these ten toes, the Bible says, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. He didn't do it during Babylon or the Medes and the Persians, the Alexandrian Empire, the Roman Empire. He didn't do it then. But he says he's going to in the days of these kings, those ten toes. And then he says, his kingdom will last forever, never be destroyed. The kingdom that shall not be left to other people, but it shall be break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand for how long? Forever. That's what the Word of God says. Now, can we believe God? We're living at a time in history where we can look back over history and say, that happened, and that happened, that happened, that happened. You know, there's a good possibility this last one might happen too, if the Word of God is true. And I believe that the Word of God is true. But then he tells us this. In the days of these kings, something's going to happen. There's going to be a stone cut out of a mountain without hands. And it's going to come and hit the toes of this beast and destroy it. And then it's going to become a great mountain and fill the whole earth. Thou soft till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. Not his head, not his arms, not his brass, or the belly, not the legs, the feet. Upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. So we know that the Word of God has told us in advance what is going to take place. 
Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together. Then it says, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So we know that this is going to happen. The stone is Christ. Christ is going to hit the toes and destroy the Gentile ruling powers over the land of Israel. Now, everything has happened just like God said it's going to happen. We're just waiting for this last one. Where the Bible says that the nations of the earth are going to come together. And they're going to talk about, what God, well, what if we had a one world government? A one world currency? A one world, one world, one world. We've got to think globally. You'll hear politicians talking about this. This isn't something new. But it is going to take place. Now, he said, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of heaven where he sets up, the king from heaven, a kingdom upon this earth. The one that God promised to the nation of Israel, the scripture must be fulfilled. The church is not going to bring in a kingdom. We are not believing in replacement theology where we're taking Israel's place. We have a responsibility that God's given to us. We think more about heaven and they thought about the earth. And God has promised them a land and a temple and a people that's going to be ruling upon this earth. And God must keep His word. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. You see, Christ came the first time, but He was rejected. And that's the stone that was rejected, cut up. And He was taken into heaven. And that stone, that rock, He's coming back. And when he comes back the next time, he is going to destroy the last world ruling power upon the earth. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation is sure. And where it's going to happen, just like God said. Now, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 10 and verse 4, when it's referring back to the time when Israel was back there in the land of Egypt, it referred to that when they went into the wilderness, that God was able to work miracles. And they got water out of a rock. And did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. We know that Christ is considered to be the rock. He's also called the cornerstone. Wherefore, also it is contained in the Scripture... Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or confused or ashamed that they've trusted in the Lord. The rock, the stone, is a person. It's a person. That stone is going to come down is Christ. And that rock is going to hit those ten toes. And it's going to destroy Gentile ruling power because in the last days, the Bible says, all of these kingdoms are going to come together to destroy little old Israel. And God says that He is going to bring all the nations against Israel. It's amazing. God can use the deceitfulness and the wickedness of men's heart to fulfill His will. And He will. Now, these ten kings, or ten toes, or ten horns that's mentioned in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 17, shall make war with the Lamb. That means that in the days of these kings, 
They will make war with the Lamb, because now the Lamb has become the Lion. And when Christ comes back to the earth in power and great glory, and every eye will see Him, He is headed to the place called Armageddon. And that's where all these people, one taken, one left, one taken, one left, they're like grapevines that are pulled into this big old valley in Megiddo, and they are going to have a bloodbath. And the Bible says that Christ is going to destroy the ruling powers of these Gentile nations. Then there'll be some Gentile nations that will have a hearing, and God is going to have the judgment of the nations, and those that are believers will go into the millennium, and those that are not will be cast into the lake of fire. That day is coming, and the world is setting up just like God says it would. Now, if you look on the screen, you'll notice that I broke the, the body down into five different pieces of, I guess you could say, material, metal, iron, clay. All those things are mentioned. But see, every one of those five represent a kingdom that have ruled since Israel has been either out of the land, without their temple, or without a king. Now, you think about this. 2,500 years Israel has been without a king. Their temple has come and gone. Israel had been out of the land. Israel has come back to the land. They were back in the land, but they were under Gentile powers. Even today, they're back in the land in unbelief. And they're under the auspices of, uh, I guess you could say, the United Nations. Things are going to change. They're still talking about Israel even to this day. And how to have peace in the Middle East. And they just want to carve it up. Say that they never were the owners of Jerusalem, which is a joke. At least I like the fact that Donald Trump recognizes Israel's right to exist and that Jerusalem ought to be the capital of Israel. And I just happen to agree with him. Now, the great beast of Daniel 2. This is 70 weeks or 490 years total. That's the 70 weeks of Daniel that he talks about in chapter 9. But now what I want you to see is this. Daniel was written almost 550 years before Christ came. Daniel names the ruling Gentile nations in advance. He says in Daniel chapter 8, verse 20, The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of the Medes and the Persians. And in the rough goat is the king of Greece, the one after them. You see, Daniel lived during the one, the Babylonian Empire. And then the Medes and the Persians took over, and he had already told them about them, and the one's going to take on after them. If you want to know if the Bible is true, the Bible is true. And it names the kingdoms in advance. Now get this. Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ came. Isaiah tells us 150 years in advance that Babylon was coming and would be defeated by the Medes. There's the scripture right there. You can read it on the screen. Isaiah 13, verse 17 says, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them. And then in the next verse he says, And Babylon, the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. God is going to take the Medes and the Persians and bring them down against Babylon. But Babylon has got to come and take it. This was written 150 years in advance. You see, even the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, 700 years in advance, and describes what would happen to Christ when he is rejected and despised. And that he would have 
no judgment when it came to his crucifixion. It will not be an honest court. It was a mockery of a trial. All that's mentioned in advance. So when people say, well, you can't know the Bible is true, they don't know the Bible. They don't read the Bible and study the Bible. I've spent all these years studying because I want to know if it's true, I want to believe it. But I want to know it's true. The Bible is true, and you can trust it. Now, Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ came. Isaiah tells us 150 years in advance that Cyrus would permit the Jews in captivity to return to Israel to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. His name is written in the Scripture 150 years before he came. Go back and check the book of Isaiah. Look at those Scriptures. His name is there, written in advance. Because, see, God says, man can't do this. I'm going to tell you what kingdom it's going to be and what the man's name is going to be, and he's going to give you permission to go back and rebuild the city. This was before the fell. The book, the Bible, is an awesome book. Now, get this. Israel without a king. Seventy weeks or 490 years, God says, is going to take place. And it names the kingdoms in advance and tells you what's going to happen. Now, the only one that we're waiting on is that last one, those ten toes. But something happened. When Christ came, in the Old Testament, it says, concerning the mystery of the church and the rapture of the church, hidden in times past, but now revealed for the first time. You see, there's the times of the Gentiles, which represents all of these kingdoms, goes until the end of the ten toes. When Christ comes back, he's going to end all Gentile power ruling. And then, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So God says that Israel, yes, will be back in their land, and they will make a peace treaty, and there will be a temple in Jerusalem, but it's going to be destroyed again, and they're going to have to flee and run for their life. And then Christ comes back at the end of the times of the Gentiles. So he told us in that dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, all the kingdoms in advance, that's the times of the Gentiles. So you wonder, well, when is Israel going to get to rule? It ain't happened yet. So this is why all of this is so important. 